Recently, I bought something for my son purely based on the reviews on Amazon. Do you read Amazon reviews? Yeah, I mean, I will occasionally, you know, the stuff I'm buying. You know, there's a whole Twitter account dedicated to weird online reviews. Let's talk about some of the the funniest online reviews that they shared. The one I like probably the best, it's an inflatable mattress. Like the top of it, I'm guessing the bottom kind of panels, if you will, are brown and then the sides are white. This guy gave it a one star and said, I ordered this when I was drunk because I thought it was a giant ice cream sandwich. It's not. It's a bed. There's also uh, the review for a police department that someone gave them five stars and said they were very gentle when they handcuffed me and their patrol vehicles were roomy and new. Overall, very professional. We'll definitely get arrested by them again for sure. Probably my favorite one, though, was someone, I I don't know what it was that they ordered, but the picture is just of their hand with nothing in it, and it just says, I never received the product. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to Touchpoint. Welcome to episode number 320. I'm Reed Smith. That's Chris Boyer. That introduction was, I don't know, it's kind of a normal introduction. I give it a three star. It is very normal. Uh, very normal. Speaking of reviews, if you would like to rate and review when you subscribe, wherever you have to be listening, it's a, a great way for people to find us if people leave feedback. So the algorithms out there like that kind of thing, from what I can tell. So along those lines, touchpoint.health is the website. Would hope you would hop over there for one thing and one thing only. Well, you can do as much as you'd like, but there's a, something called the TPS report. You'll notice at the top navigation there, it'll ask you for your name, your email address. And what that does is get you an email every Monday morning with five articles to start your week, plus a few other kind of industry links and things like that, which we'll touch on. But would love to uh, hopefully give you a little, little value as you kick off your Monday mornings. So... Uh, we'll pause here for a second, let you go do that. And again, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you happen to be listening. And then we'll be back uh, with today's show. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you.
So today, Reed, we're going to be talking about online reviews, ratings, and rankings. And we'll get into this, but I really do think the first two kind of go together versus the third one being something a little bit different, right? So ratings and reviews, and we've talked a lot about ratings and reviews on here, but probably in most conversations we have that, you know, we're referring to somebody that's written a review on a you know search engine or a website somewhere, maybe one of our social properties, et cetera. Whereas rankings, we probably care about those uh, at certain times of the year more than others, because that's when the winners get announced or, submissions or whatever, you know, whatever happens, right? Um, That's a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. But lately in the news, we've been hearing a lot about certain medical schools that have reacted to these, some of these online ranking sites. A wave of medical schools have pulled out recently from the U.S. News Annual Rankings. You heard about that, right? Yes. And I've also heard it, not just with medical schools, but other higher ed organizations, you you know, universities, things like that. So it's interesting, right? Because I think some of it is the mystery of like, like, how are you even coming up with this? We're quoting now an article that uh, came out from Fierce Healthcare about this, where a number of top ranking medical schools indicated they have concerns over the quote unquote, perverse incentives and quote, harmful impact, unquote, that these rankings may have on higher learning priorities. It's pretty strong words, I would say. It really is. You know, harmful impact. I don't know how you get much stronger. The Harvard Medical, Medical School Dean, uh, George Daly, indicated HMS would no longer be submitting admission numbers and other relevant data. I think as we've seen a few others kind of follow suit, I'm not sure how much longer this is useful. I guess it, it would depend. I mean, I, I'm starting to see other articles that are coming out that's saying maybe they're a little too rash about this. But some of the things they kind of outlined as to why they think that these are not good ranking methodologies is because, well, let me quote uh, George Daly. He said that rankings create incentives for institutions to report misleading or inaccurate data set policies to boost rankings rather than some of the nobler objectives to divert financial aid from students with financial need to high-scoring students with means in order to maximize ranking criteria. And he actually wrote this in a blog post that Mm. uh, he put on their website. I mean, these are some pretty strong words. And our other medical schools followed suit as well, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. They list out quite a few in here from Columbia to Stanford, UPenn, uh, you know, et cetera. Similar concerns, inaccuracies of representation. It's a limited view into the uh, into kind of that world, I guess. It almost starts to create this concept of you're going after the ranking in order to better your organization, right? It almost kind of like this 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 snake that eats itself, so to speak. We're not going to belabor a lot of this. I mean, we quoted some strong words, right? But let's start first talking about the differences between online ratings, rankings, and reviews. And I have to say, Reed, uh, something that I'm starting to do a little bit more often is I turned to chat GPT and I actually asked it. Ah, yes. What are the differences between online ratings, rankings, and reviews? Do you want to share what it came back with? Yeah, so these are the AI-powered answers 
before. So online uh, ratings are usually expressed as a numerical score or a star rating system. So again, this is probably what day to day we we spend the most time with, you know, the one to five or the five stars or, you know, that kind of thing where, you know, one's low, five's high. And it's typically around product quality, customer service, experience, et cetera. So this is, you know, Google reviews and Facebook and things like that. Things that like consumers are, are submitting. That's usually kind of, you know, what we think of as online ratings. Online rankings are a little bit different because this is more about ordering a list of items based on specific criteria that's being created. It could be customer satisfaction, it could be quality, it could be popularity, sales, whatever. And then the order of the items in the ranking may change depending on that criteria. But the list typically starts with the highest ranked item and goes down from there. So again, like the U.S. News is a ranking methodology, right? Because they have criteria behind it. That's right. And then online reviews, you know, can kind of fall in, in, in a number of places, but it's typically the verbatim feedback, you know, the comments that go alongside something like ratings. Uh, so it gives you a little more context. So a lot of times, again, probably preaching to the choir here, but as you've gone on and rated something, you usually start with a scale of one to five, or you kind of click the number of stars or something like that. And then you can type in your comments and that's really the reviews portion of the, of, um, you know, kind of this this world. Yeah, and we're starting to see these kind of come together too, right? So I've seen some ranking methodologies also include reviews, like sort of uh, more of the qualitative reviews. Even in the market research work that I do, sometimes, you know, that that's a, a common way to do that. You, you build the quantitative and the qualitative elements together. So you get a little bit more, you know, verbatims to support why they're ranked certain ways. And so there's a lot of different ways that organizations are out there doing that. And in our space, we happen to see a lot of these different rankings, ratings, and reviews being a, a critical part of some of the way we respond to our market. So today we want to go into each one of these a little bit, do a quick update, and uh, share some of the thoughts that we have around uh, around each one of these. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a break, brief pause here, Reed. And then when we come back, we're going to dive into online reviews. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Matson of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. All right, so let's start with some findings um, as we kind of dive into the reviews, online reviews. This is actually, and we'll have links to all this, of course, but some stats and trends and whatnot that we pulled from a 2022 report by Review Trackers, which is actually who we use for our you know, kind of online you know, monitoring and, and, and responses and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, no shocker here, uh, but Google is still the top review site. 
Mm-hmm. You know, zero click searches, uh, which rose 65%, they say in 2020, which means more users than ever are reading Google reviews directly from the search results page. Not a big shocker. Uh, Google still leading the charge here. Yeah, I mean, and they're putting it right up there. That's part of their knowledge graph. That's part of that's the whole point. I think these reviews started this whole concept around zero click searches. People want to know. Uh, you type in anything nowadays, a product, uh, a company, whatever. The review is right there for you to see, and that's a deliberate action on Google's part, right? To give you a sense before you even get started to learn a little bit more about that organization, that product, that service, whatever it is how other people are reviewing it. That's a fascinating shift in what we've seen in over the, you know, the last 10 years that we've seen. The other thing that uh, they came out with is that 88% of all reviews are coming from only four review sites. Isn't that wild? That's really interesting. I mean, they can use to drive home this idea that, you know, you can really have kind of a focused effort and hit, you know, the vast majority of consumers, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and of course, with Google being the number one of them, right? Of our review tracking that we do, this is Google is like the the dominant force here. While Google still plays, you know, a dominant role in our lives, referring back to our previous episode. Um, (laughs) The other thing that they found, though, is review interaction is up by 50% from pre-pandemic levels. Yeah, that's interesting. Again, I guess there's more, you know, acutely people shopping, if you will, uh, than there were pre-pandemic around some of the healthcare stuff specifically. But a couple of other things that reviews are shorter, uh, Uh of a tweet uh, kind of a thing. Wow. They call it in here that companies aren't responding fast enough or sometimes not at all, which is interesting to me. You know, 53%, they say, of consumers expect businesses to respond to a negative review within a week. Well, yeah. Who's not responding in a week? One in three people are are only responding in that time frame. Makes no sense to me. That's crazy. That's crazy. They say responsive industry leaders get higher uh, ratings. So the faster response time is closely linked to having a positive reputation, which is kind of interesting. And I wonder if that's more of a culture thing. I don't know that it's like acutely on the nose because you're responding, but it's because you've set up that expectation and it probably bleeds over to the other areas of your operations. I I think that you're kind of right about that, right? If you're responding to reviews, clearly reviews matter to you. And Mm -hmm. so therefore you probably already have some type of mechanism to be more proactive about just experience and reviews, right? Overall. So it's kind of like, is that a leading or a lagging indicator of of your overall experience related initiatives? Here's one that's interesting. And I think you have some other data to kind of drill in on this, but they say here that customers don't trust companies with lower than four star ratings. And the most common filter applied, if you can apply, is to, I only want to see companies with or products with four-star ratings or higher. It's interesting, right? But does that matter, Reed? This is the thing, right? You, there's some other data that we have that kind of talks about the fact that while, while these reviews are there and people are, are looking at it, are they really driving behavior? Well, I was looking kind of back through getting ready for this episode, um, a 2022 consumer health survey from from Geonetric, our friends over Geonetric. And I kind of skimmed through here and, and got to a place that talks about factors 
that are impactful when, when, you know, a consumer is seeking care. And so if I look at this list and there's, you know, probably 15 ish things on the list here, the top thing on the list is, you know, do they accept my insurance? (laughs) Right. It's a very transactional thing uh, along with the availability and timeliness of import, you know, uh, pricing, the experience level of the doctor, convenient location, convenient hours, ability to schedule online, the ease of searching for care options. I have to get pretty far down the list before I get to ratings and reviews from other healthcare consumers. Like there's a lot of other things that are deemed very important. Uh, no, I will say, uh, looking at just the ratings and reviews, it's still, if you take into account very important and somewhat important, it's still, gosh, what is that, almost 90%. So again, it's not that it's not important, it's just not the most important. So kind of, kind of interesting as you think through some of this. And again, a lot of what we're seeing, uh, even around confidence, they say in care providers, is somewhat of where they're attached, right? Like my local health system is still where people want to see and trust a, a provider, right? So if they're going through the health system, they're going through their insurance, then you get into like pharmacies and retail brands and, and other things like that. So again, it's not that these things are not important. Mm-hmm. I would say certainly ratings more than reviews, which that may be tipping my hand a little bit as we make our way through this episode. But um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. That is interesting. Well, let's let's pivot a little bit now and let's talk a little bit about ratings. We found another article from WebMD, which is interesting because WebMD itself is associated with a rating and a ranking site, right? U.S. News. But they wrote an article designed for the consumer the healthcare consumer, to educate them on how to use some of these websites for a hospital. And uh, they start off by saying, you know, here's what you need to know. Not every one of these websites are perfect, but they can help you make informed decisions. And then they give you some advice that says, if you need to look at more than one of these sites, but you may not be comparing apples to apples. So you have to be very careful because there's different types of ways that people are reporting on our industry. There's experience measures, there's process measures, there's outcome measures, there's patient safety measures, there's cost measures. And those, and that's not all of them, but all of these factors, they, they're not alike. They come from different places. They, they're trying to address different things. The episode we had a million years ago about uh, HCAPs versus, uh, I think, I think we said Yelp in the title maybe, but you know, online reviews, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, they're they're both some sort of a success metric, but the caps surveying is a likelihood measurement, you know, the likelihood something will happen versus an online, you know, uh, rating and review being more of just a holistic review of one experience. Mm -hmm. So they're just, it's different. There's different things. Totally different things. Sometimes here's the other thing they call out. Some of these sites use different sources of data. Mm. Medicare, CDC, the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, those are some of the most rigorous and reliable sources. But there's other ways. Some of them create their own ranking criteria. Again, 
it, it gets complicated. I think they make the uh, the recommendation that you have to use the information that's best to help you decide and don't rely on it entirely. So that's interesting. They say, here's an article, right, that is trying to tell you how to use these sites better. But then they say, you got to use the right information you need and don't rely on it entirely. They're almost kind of, it's like they're that's their fine print. This may help or maybe it doesn't help. But I, I think this article is interesting and why we're linking to it is because some of the things they call out, they actually try to help decipher some of these sites. Right? Yeah, they do. It's interesting. They, they list a lot of different, this is kind of an interesting article to go yeah. check out. So they talk about the different types of measurement, as we mentioned, but, you know, Medicare.gov, for example, gosh, why not the best.org? Do you know that existed? <laughs> uh, health grades, leapfrog, you know, some things we're familiar with. Um, yeah, this is really, really interesting. Yeah, and kind of goes into what you could see, right? It, like, like for example, uh, we'll just give you one example, right? They say care compare, which is on Medicare.gov. Uh, they say the reason why the site was launched, Medicare launched this site to combine all government healthcare compare websites into one place. Here you can look at information on hospitals, doctors, nurses, home health services, hospice, inpatient rehab services, long-term care hospitals, and dialysis facilities. And then even more so, they go to say, in each of these categories, you can get a list of providers in your area, the provider on a map and the distance from your home, and overall ratings and patient satisfaction ratings for some of these, these categories. It is a useful article. You know, it tries to help decipher all of these for you as the consumer. But my big concern here, Reed, is that WebMD themselves are a rating company. Yeah. So is is this kind of like a, a company reporting on itself? They are, but I guess they do more than just the rating piece. So, you know, maybe it's a division of church and state here or something, mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. editorial and advertising or what have you. But I, I don't know. It, this is this is interesting, but it is an interesting article to kind of think through. Carry compares a good one, you know, right? So you can compare against other hospitals and then look at things that that people have rated to be very important, like communications or experience or, or what have you. But what happens when people start opting out of all this stuff? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. Well, I'll tell you what, Reed, why don't we take a pause here? And why don't we come back? We'll talk a little bit about how maybe these rankings and rating sites are not actually helping to provide sort of that objective viewpoint. And are these really the tools that we need in order to make better caregiver decisions? We'll do that right after this break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. So we were talking about online reviews. We've talked a little bit about online ratings. But one of the things that is still in the back of our minds is, are these things actually objective? Or is there a bias to this? I think you and I have kind of 
over the years talked about these corporate rankings, these these sites that get into corporate rankings. Do they provide value or do, or do they have like an angle or a perspective on this that's a little bit different? So again, this is where I have to kind of split you know, the thought process between ratings and reviews, I do feel are helpful because I, I look at them, you know, for most things, either a product or a service or what, whatever it is that I'm looking at versus ranking sites. I don't know that I ever look at those unless we're talking about like sports teams or something. So I don't know. And again, I have listened to a podcast uh, to know that it's a little bit of a black box. A little bit, perhaps a little bit, you know, a lot of black box, if you think about it. We found, uh, we're going to kind of reference as we talk about this, uh, another article from medcitynews.com, a great online resource. They actually wrote an article called Healthcare Consumers and Leaders Are Disserved by Subjective and Perception-Based Rankings. And they start off by saying, you know, we, we rankings and ratings-based sites are great to guide decision-making, like what are the best restaurants and what's the best product on Amazon, that sort of thing. But the, a large part of the reason why they think that these uh, sites are maybe not as helpful is because they could be created in a large part due to biased or self-reported data collection practices where falsified and inaccurate data is being provided by the organizations that are trying to get to the top spots. Remember that feedback from uh, the, the Harvard Medical School, uh, Dean? Just, I can't for the life of me figure out who's looking at this to make a care decision. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe they are. I don't know. I'm just, I've never heard of anybody doing it. Online reviews, yes, I have heard of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah, they call out in here about the benchmarking methodologies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, that's where no one can really understand, you know, how are we coming up with who ends up on these lists? (laughs) Like what was the criteria? Cause you just submit a whole bunch of stuff and then you end up or don't end up or end up somewhere on the list, I guess. Right. Yeah, and even U.S. News, you know, the one that's been much maligned in the in the news lately, U.S. News's me- methodology for a long time was a lot based on the health system's reputation, and the reputation was garnered from how physicians were ranking the reputation and using the physicians' reputation ranking to inform a consumer-driven ranking. That's interesting. Now, U.S. News did change their methodology accordingly. But other ways, the CMS's hospital compare health grades, top hospitals, leapfrog safety grade, and other top hospitalists, they all have these methodologies that may have things within them that are, as you called it, right, black box. We, we don't really know what's behind the scenes here. And they, in part, could be a little bit biased or, in the very least, perception-based. Let's put it that way. No, I agree. I think it's hard to delineate. And again, to draw a little bit of a parallel here, you know, I was reading an article about J.D. Power and Associates awards with car dealers, right? So... They do all the surveying, you, you submit all this information, and then you got to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to get the results. And then 
if you actually did well, you got to pay hundreds of thousands of more dollars to tell people that you did well. Right. And so it's like, at what point is this just a business? Yeah, exactly. I, again, I don't know what the value is. Agreed. Right. And, and in addition to it, they're, they're hard to kind of line up next to each other to help provide sort of that objective view of things. Right. The article indicates that some comparison sites focus on singular aspects of hospital performance and effectiveness, such as outcomes or patient safety. And that's sufficient to do a rank list or assigning a grade. But is that enough to compare the complexity of a health system? I'm going to say no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's just, you know, my, my two cents here. But again, it's like, how do you compare if we don't really understand the methodology of how they're being compared? So it's like, I don't, what does this to do with the, like, what's the difference in numbers seven and 10 on the list? Exactly. In one respect, that seems really close to me. Like, oh yeah, they're both top 10. Maybe they're chasms apart. Like I, I, but like, how would I know that? Like, I don't understand like how I'm supposed to delineate some of that stuff. And then too, back to this idea of it being a business, I, you know, I've joked for years about, you know, I've met and worked with 400 top 100 hospitals, you know? So I just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't understand the, the ranking business, I guess. Well, and what's interesting though, is that as humans, we are getting more accustomed to wanting to know, you know, the best or read reviews and read rankings and all of that. But unlike, well, maybe like Amazon reviews, we want to know a little bit more, but we always take those with a grain of salt, right? Because you're always going to have that one person that wrote a one star because they didn't get their product or what have you. And we kind of say, oh, yeah, well, there's 3,000 reviews and only, you know, and they're, they're average of a 4.5. So they're probably pretty good. We could kind of do that. But when you get into a ranking methodology, exactly what you said, how do you compare those? This is so difficult. And if you don't have access to the data, and incidentally, we as the normal healthcare consumers probably don't even know how to understand that data if we had access to it. It, it gets really, really difficult for us to make that as part of our selection process, so to speak. It's not like these things are going to go away, though, Reed. The intention of this article and the intention of us talking about these things is designed to illustrate the fact that we have to be very, very careful about how we use reviews, ratings, and rankings the right way. And I think the one thing that we probably want to do at a very high level is, as we close out this podcast today is uh, referred to an article that just recently was featured on our TPS report from Gerard that uh, was entitled The Value of Hospital Rankings. They had a kind of a, an interesting top 10 list. Yeah, they do. And, and again, we'll, if you haven't signed up for the TPS report, do so uh, over at touchpoint.health. But if you missed this one, you can certainly, you know, through subscribing, go back and look at past editions, uh, if you will. But, you know, obviously going to link to this in the show notes as well. But they touch on several things in here about, you know, the medical schools opting out, you know, of some of the ranking sites. I think it's a good read. I think you should go check it out. But I think one of the funny ones is actually one that they mentioned that everybody is on a list. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
Uh, so good news, everybody, you're on a list somewhere. Um, so it's kind of one of these that they say that, uh, you know, if everybody's special, nobody's special. The one that that jumped out at me, too, is they say don't well actually the rankings. Every ranking system is flawed, but they say that, you know, they're directionally helpful to tell a story. And so don't just like try to either write away the rankings or in, totally embrace them. What you have to do is you have to strike the balance, right? You have to understand the reasons behind the ranking to kind of help share with internal stakeholders why their institution is where it's at and discuss what your organization is doing that no ranking is going to capture. And, you know, if the context is right, then you can leverage that ranking as a benchmark or as a measurement for your uh, success, or you could decide to go a different way. That's right. Again, to your point earlier, these things are not going away. So understand what they are, which ones they're valuable. Some of them may be very valuable for internal use and communications and uh, recruitment, employee morale and you know internal uh, uh, kind of reward and recognition type programs. And so I'm not I don't want to diminish that at all. But just understand the value of them. Some of them have value. Some of them don't. You know, so just understand what what works for your organization and what's meaningful. So, but we'd love to hear kind of what everybody's thinking. Again, predominantly, probably at least on the rankings side. I think the reviews uh, portion of the equation, uh, we mostly align. I'm going to guess uh, on kind of what to do there, not to do there. But I uh, would love you know kind of thought processes. You've seen things around higher ed and the medical schools, et cetera, uh, specific around some of the U.S. News and World Report pieces. Love to hear kind of everybody's thinking about that and, and plans going forward. And with that, we'll take one final break and then we'll be back to close out the show. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right. Well, uh, Chris, another good episode. Uh, this is an interesting topic. Again, something that probably on the rating and review side, we spend a lot of time talking about probably on the rankings and awards side, we probably spend not as much time, but obviously it does become uh, a heightened awareness at certain times of the year. So interesting. We'd love to, again, hear from folks, uh, kind of how they're thinking about uh, these things, what, what role they play in the, in the organization, you know, et cetera. So I think it's a good episode. I would give it a four star. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> as long as it's above four, everybody will be happy. So, well, again, Rate, review, subscribe. Certainly do appreciate that. But also navigate over to touchpoint.health, sign up for the TPS report. Would love to uh, uh, have you uh, locked in there and provide a little extra value to you on Monday mornings. Got a couple of conferences coming up that we'll start talking more about before too terribly long, but um, those will be linked in the the TPS report as well. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. 
Speaking of ratings and reviews, what uh, what are you recommending? <laughs> yeah, I would like. I'm gonna. I guess I have to write a short online review for this one because I do like it. We just had Valentine's Day come and go, and my wife gifted me a really cool little gift: a leather tech bag from Leatherology. Reed, I think you would like this not only because. It is made out of leather, but let me tell you a little bit more about it. It's it's the small travel organizer, perfect size to throw in your backpack, they say. Leather on the outside, but it's fully lined, water resistant. It has a pouch inside and as well as a couple little you know clasps in there so you can put your different tech devices in there, your um, your AirPods, your cables, your stylus if you have that. They're all secure within this little tiny um, bag that's about four and a half inches by seven and a half inches wide. It's a really great, um, handy little thing. I travel with my work, so I find this to be really useful. I put all my things in here, my little Apple charger, what have you. I have a little zip bag. I have like little mesh uh, strips there to put it in there, throw it right into my backpack, cover it with me. And it's really cool. It's a nice brown, leathery outside finish. My recommendation today, and I'll give it a it actually has 19 five-star ratings on its own website, is Leatherology's Small Tech Bag Organizer. Very cool. I'm going to check that out. I am actually going to recommend another podcast, and it'll make sense here in a minute, but i um, always been a fan of Freakonomics. You know, initially the book and then the podcast. It's you know, going to listen to a lot of fun. Uh, but they have a separate show. So they still have Freakonomics, obviously, and they have other things uh, like the economics of everyday things. Also a good one. Not recommending that. Maybe I will in the future. Uh, but they have a Freakonomics MD. Um, so they you know, cover things like what's stopping us from curing rare diseases. Uh, why are there so, many, so few female surgeons? ER doctor's dilemma. Things like uh, does health insurance make you ha- healthier? Uh, which... I have to go back and listen to that one. But if you scroll back to episode number 47, which is uh, from uh, July of last year, uh, last summer, one of the episodes is called Should We Trust Hospital Rankings? So there you go. Uh, If you hadn't had enough of it today, you can go check this one out. The sub is uh, the sub kind of comment here is hospitals compete for prime spots on the U.S. news rankings, but could those lists be doing more harm than good? Mm. So, uh, interesting. So again, go check it out. I think it's, uh, oh, probably 30 minutes or so long. So after, if you've liked this episode, you want to dig in a little more, go check that out. It's a great episode. Our friends over at Freakonomics. Well, folks, uh, thank you so much again for tuning in. Another great episode, another great week. We appreciate the support. Would appreciate a five-star review. Um, <laughs> wherever you happen to be listening not kid but do uh, rate review subscribe tell your friends tell your neighbors your co-workers uh, all that kind of fun stuff we certainly appreciate all of the support so for Chris Boyer I'm Reed Smith and we'll see you next week this has been a Touchpoint Media production to learn more about this show and others like it please visit us online at touchpoint.health